a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is MANA. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of MANA, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson, and none of the guys uh, that you'll meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. It's exactly what makes them extra, and I am excited for you to meet them. Uh, your reputation precedes you, okay, is a phrase that we've all heard and maybe said uh, positively or negatively uh, when being introduced to someone. Uh, and it's a phrase that uh, I did a little research on this. Uh, it's a phrase that goes way back. Um, one of the earliest cases of, the, of, of that phrase uh, actually appears in a book way back in 1830 titled, uh, uh, and, and those who are Italian will correct me. Uh, you can you know send it in the comments here, called Foscarini or the Patrician of Venice. So I've clearly not read that book. Uh, and our guest is not of Venetian descent, I don't think. Um, but our guest is one whose reputation precedes him in a very, very good way. First, uh, his brother, George, uh, was interviewed uh, right here on MANA in season three, uh, during which uh, we learned a little bit about our guests uh, quite uh, large and impressive family of faith and Catholic traditions. Um, and actually, uh, from, I think, uh, the very first season of MANA, I've, I've also been hearing about our guest through another MANA alum, uh, Father Mark Wayman from season two, uh, who has been so complimentary about our guest uh, and actually rather insistent uh, <laughs> that I keep badgering him to come on the show uh, to share his story with us, um, which I've been doing and doing and doing and doing and finally after a fair amount of persistence and i think just a healthy gust of the holy spirit we finally have him here with us today uh, he is as i mentioned uh, a devout but also very discerning and thoughtful catholic uh, who always seems to find or insert himself into formal and informal service and stewardship roles uh, in the church uh, he, has, he is also, as I also mentioned, uh, a devoted family guy, uh, which we'll hear more about today. And, uh, and while he has carved out a successful career in IT over the years, I have a sneaking suspicion uh, that the day job um, has uh, been more of a means uh, to a bigger end. Uh, case in point, if you snoop on our guest's LinkedIn page, uh, which I did earlier this morning in preparation for today's show. Uh, equally impressive to the companies that he's worked for uh, over the number of uh, years is the number of causes that he supports, uh, which reads like a, like a UN global compact meeting agenda, okay, including children, civil rights and social action, economic empowerment, education, environment, human rights, Disaster and humanitarian relief, poverty alleviation, social services. I mean, come on, that's that's quite a list there. So lots to tackle today, lots of good stuff to tackle today with today's man of man, Mr. Bill Rashavi. Hey, Bill. Hey, how are you doing, Jeff? I uh, feel really, really unworthy of that uh, introduction today. Thank you very much. 
Well, like I say, it's not me. This, these are all of your. These are all of the the, the advanced men for Bill Rashavi who have who have helped lay the the foundation. And, and as I say, your your very good reputation precedes you. And I'm really really excited to get a chance. And we've met just so so all of our listeners know this isn't the first time Bill and I have talked. We did have a chance to to connect a couple of years ago, uh, very briefly, but very. Uh, it was very. Um, for me, it made a, it made a big impression, and it, and it definitely reinforced everything that I'd been hearing uh, about you. So let's let's get into it. You know, I I, uh, I mentioned Father Mark Wayman, who was one of your biggest cheerleaders, and um, so uh, you know, a lot of people out there uh, and a lot of listeners out there are invested in their faith, but without necessarily being super involved with you know, like having relationships with, you know, priests and bishops and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to start there. Like, is this for your kind of adult kind of religious life? Have you always been one that's been able to kind of, you know, uh, relate to and, and, and build kind of friendships, relationships with kind of those more formal authority figures kind of in the church? Well, I would say since my uh, maybe you'd call it reversion or taking my Catholic faith real serious. Uh, I, I would say, yes, I, I, there's almost no subject I'd rather talk about than things of faith and, and morals and ethics and that type of thing. And so, yeah, I gravitate towards the guys that, that uh, um, I have the easiest time bouncing things off of. And, and in my case, there's a couple of priests, one of them being Father Wayman that, I love getting together with him. I, about once a week, he and I chat. That's cool. Did was was that something? So when you talk about your, would you call it a reversion uh, of of your faith? Talk about that. Was that a was that a a moment in time, like a kind of like you know people talk about having kind of sort of like a born again kind of experience, or was that more of an evolution that 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 lasted over the course of time? Well, let to be clear, I guess I was I was baptized in a good Catholic family. I was brought up with the Catholic faith through about 10th grade. I went through Catholic school. Uh, all was good. Academically, I, I, was, I was just fine with everything that I was learning in religion uh, classes. But in, in general, you know, I wasn't taking the faith all that serious. I certainly wasn't living it. Uh, I had a great example, but just wasn't paying any attention to it. Uh, received back in my day, it was confirmation back in fifth grade, and and uh, I was ever, anything but mature enough to to understand what was going on with the uh, with the sacrament. Um, got married uh, at twenty six to a good Catholic girl, just what I thought I was supposed to be doing, and had three <laughs> had three kids in five years. My wife stayed home with the kids. We got them involved in a good uh, catechesis program. Uh, everything was good. Everything looked really good. And then uh, when I was about 40 years old, the bottom kind of dropped out and I lost everything. And I was kind of starting over again with uh, mm-hmm. without the uh, youthful enthusiasm that I may have had back when I was 18 or so, uh, but pretty much in the same in the same circumstances. So. Um, uh, I remember distinctly going to a daily mass and and I was about as low as you could get. And uh, it almost seemed like the priest was giving a homily directly to me. And I mm-hmm. sat in church afterward and said, okay, God, I, I give up fighting. I was, uh, 
all over uh, pitting myself and and uh, trying to straighten things out myself and all this. It was there was no hope in that. And so I gave myself over to God at that point. And uh, it wasn't like an, you know, an instantaneous change, but that was the point. I, it, over the next handful of months, my life took turns to the best. And uh, my relationship with, with God became uh, much stronger, uh, made a whole new batch of friends that were, you know, uh, good people, you know, people that I should be hanging out with that are going to make me a better person and I'm potentially going to make them a better person. Um, so the group of friends got smaller. The, the uh, opportunities that I got to you know, give service to the church um, popped up. All good things. And, and I've been kind of on that mode uh, ever since. That's kind of a long That's answer to a, to a short question. No, I, it's a wonderful answer. It reminds me a little of, um, and I'm not Scal, I'm not schooled uh, at all, really, in, in any of the uh, anywhere near uh, <clears throat> where I should be with like the saints. But but your story kind of reminds me of from what I know of Saint Augustine, where you know he kind of spent a life, you know, searching and searching and searching, and finally it was kind of like, all right, God, you whatever, you got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of like I just he gave it over to God, and then and then everything kind of turned around for him. Who who when you think back to that that time um and you mentioned the friends you know the kind of the new friends who were some of the who were some of the people that that you felt or you knew were going through that with you at that time or did you feel like it was a fairly i mean obviously jesus was <laughs> but did you feel like you were kind of going through that by yourself or were there were there guys especially that were you know propping you up, supporting you, kind of get, getting you, you know, kind of fueling that there or, or fanning the flame at, at the time. At, at the front end, there was nobody. This was, I was mm -hmm. going through this by myself and it was, which is probably all a good thing, right? I mean, I, I, I got as low as low can be and, and there was only one way to look and that was up and that was towards God. As pieces started, um, coming back together again in my life. Then I had some wonderful friends from church. My family was was very supportive. Uh, again, met Father Wayman somewhere along those those lines. And so I had a really good support structure afterward. But initially, no, I was kind of on my own. It was a tough time. Were there any, you know, from growing up, like you mentioned and George had mentioned, I mean, yeah, like you said, your your, your family was very had a lot of tradition in the church and, you know, you say, you know, you went through all the, all the, all the paces. Were there any aspects of faith that when you had this sort of re-energizing kind of moment, were there any particular aspects that, that you were sort of, um, I mean, obviously it all came back, but were there any specific aspects that made an even, made even more of an impression the second time around, you know, that, that you were like, oh my gosh. So like, for example, you know, I don't, I'm just making this up now, Bill, but like, like grace or forgiveness or, you know, anything or just the relationship, you know, this, all this stuff that we, we learn about as kids, you know, we go through the Bible studies, we go through confirmation, we hear all of it, but it sounds like, you know, you had a, you had a gift later in life to then experience all of it. What, were there any 
aspects that stood out even more um, the second time around? Absolutely. Um, My parents had a really, really simple faith, but I came, became convinced along the lines that they were willing to die for it as simple as their faith was. And I was never there. Um, I could ask them a a theological question as my faith started taking off and they could, they'd look at me with kind of blank expressions and maybe change the subject or something, but, but still they, they had a simple faith that I, I, to this day, um, wish that I had. And, uh, the, in answer to your question, um, suffering, it, you hear about it, you don't want to go through it. Um, but when you actually realize there's a redemptive or can be anyway, a redemptive uh, quality to that suffering and not only for yourself, but potentially for others, uh, it takes on a whole new meaning stuff that was told to you, uh, throughout your life when we were a kid, I don't know, maybe you have this experience. The parents were always, you'd skin your knee and you'd come in and they'd say, offer it up. I mean, it was always offer it up and, and you kind of go, Oh, okay. It doesn't mean anything to me, but offer it up, you know, was offering up that suffering for, for, uh, yourself or for loved ones or somebody who's passed, passed away already. It's the communion of saints, right? So this is stuff that, that as I started taking my faith serious, got involved in uh, teaching catechesis to ninth and 10th graders, was absolutely mortified with the the possibility that a millstone was going to get wrapped around my neck and I was going to be thrown into the depths of the sea if I taught him anything that I wasn't supposed to. Um, I, I took it all serious. I, I started digging into it and everything that I had been taught um, as a youngster was was coming back, but with so much more yeah. meaning. So yes, in the yeah. answer to your question, the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's yeah. Gosh, I just I just love your your whole story and the way you tell it. But when you mentioned the the, the the kid skinning, you know, his or her knee and running, you know, into the house, it reminds me of I saw something. This was a couple of years ago. So Matt Marr, great, you know, uh, Christian uh, musician, and and he was explaining this the, the uh, meaning behind a song that he had written called, uh, I think it's called run to the father. And he was saying how as a parent, when, you know, when, um, so just, so when the child falls, you know, their first instinct is to run to their, to their parents. But when the parent sees the child fall, that's also the first instinct of the parent. And, and so when, when you, when, when you talk about your story and, and hitting that lowest of low, yes, you, found yourself running to God, but, but God was also, you know, just like a parent running to you, you know? And I think that's what's so, it's too bad that a lot of times as adults or as young people, we have to go through those, you know, we kind of have to pass those crucibles, if you will, to, to really experience it, to feel it, to put the emotion and, and the, the weight to all the words that we heard growing up, <laughs> but suffering is real. And like you say, it is redemptive. Um, but you know, a lot of times you have to actually experience it to, to really believe it. A hundred percent agree. I had, I was telling you before that I was going through it pretty much on my own. I couldn't, there was nobody that could relate to me. Well, Shortly afterward, there were several other people that were going through very similar circumstances, and they came to me, and I was able to give them 
um, solace. If nothing else, I was able to tell them what they were going to go through, um, uh, to be prepared for it. Um, you can make good things out of, you know, good thing. You can make good things out of even bad circumstances. Even scripture tells mm -hmm. us that. And, uh, um, that was all good. I mean, that's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. So, so how then, um, does, did your personal experience and, and so now you're, you're, you're fully engaged and lit up and you're, and, and, you know, like you say, you're, this is all, this is what, this is all you want to think about. You know, this is, uh, this is all you want to talk about. This is all you want to do. And we, when we met a couple of years ago, we briefly, uh, talked about this and for, well, that was kind of the reason that we kind of met, but we were talking about, you know, how do we, not you and I, but how do the, the Royal, we, we, how does all of us, how do we, how do we get more, you know, sort of small E evangelical just behavior out there? How do we get, how do we get more adults fully activated in their faith and, and, and going from, you know, believing to doing and, and acting. And, and so I'm wondering how, uh, in your in your experience now, because now you're out there and you're taking the hill and you're looking for people to come along with you and you're relating, what have you what have you what have you seen as the biggest obstacle barrier? You know, I mean, does everybody have to go through their moment like you did to, to you know that's gonna that's gonna that's a long and painful process. But what do you what do you think the obstacles are out there for for getting people to really appreciate this wonderful faith that we've been that we've been blessed with? It, it's the $64,000 question. The, yeah, when it comes to the suffering, it's really super unfortunate that, that um, it has to come to that sometimes, but God loves us too much. He, he's going to, he's going to put out all, he's going to pull out all the stops. And, um, and, and as I was getting involved in ministries, both youth ministry and um, uh, teaching and, and men's ministry, that that was always the golden the golden question. I um, I think what we came came up with over the years um, w was getting people getting the people that you're trying to evangelize to understand that there's they need a personal relationship with God. It's it's got to start there, and um, the the problem is they they may look at their lives and say I don't I don't need it. You know, or you may never even get the open door, the chance to even bring that type of thing up. So, so you you live it. You know, you live your faith. Uh, in theory, they see you uh, happier than the average person uh, involved in your faith, involved in service, that type of thing. And they and they would look at you and say, "Hey, I want some of that," and and that'll mm -hmm. prompt them. That'll prompt them to come to me and, and ask yeah. me, "Hey, what what uh, what have you got that I don't have?" you know, that type of thing, then I can open up. But in general, um, in general, everybody needs a personal relationship with God. It, there's no other way to go about this. And, and yeah. it's, uh, some for some it's easier and for some it's not so easy. Yeah. I love, I love that though. Our, our, um, pastor at, uh, St. Bart's father, John Clockman shared recently. Um, and I don't know if he came up with this or if he <laughs> read it or heard it somewhere else. They said you can't you can't uh, properly evangelize until you humanize, or something like that. Anyway, so that's a great and, great uh, line. And, 
Yeah. And that, and that's kind of what you're talking about though, Bill, is that, is that it is that relationship, you know, it's that it's having that focus on a relationship, just like the relationship between us and Jesus. It's the relationship to each. I mean, that was basically, I think it's the second commandment, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So first of all, love me second, love each other. And I do think it, and what's so perplexing though, okay, back to the initial, that first question that I, or not first question, but the question that I was asking is, is, okay, that's like, everybody can do that. You know, like you don't have to be an academic, you don't have to be an athlete, you don't have to be super skilled in anything. Like literally all of us can do that. All of us can have those relationships. And yet that, and yet we don't, <laughs> you know, so uh, I, you're right that it's the $64,000 question. Hey, we just got to keep trying. Hey, sometimes an academic is, is an, uh, being an ap- academic is, is an impediment. I mean, it's the simple faith, um, simple faith that, that gets you into those relationships. God, uh, well, you know, Christ said, unless you become like one of these, and he was speaking to the little ones, uh, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You need that. Yeah. You need the trust. You need the, uh, yeah, the trust that we've got as little kids looking up to our parents. You, you talked about that earlier. And I, th- I think about my own, my own kids. And I, re- I remember when they were really little and, and they would climb up the kitchen cupboards and they'd launch themselves into the air with me with my arms out you know about three four feet away and say you know they close their eyes and they'd squeal you know catch catch me daddy and and I'd I'd catch them and I'd hold them close and I'd say how brave they were and how lucky they were that I was there but but little kids knew you know they 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 know they know that I was going to be there to catch them so they they uh said blind blind faith yeah yeah, no, amen. I, I love that. And just, yeah, I think that is what we just have to, got to quit overthinking it and just start treating and appreciating that our God is our father. It is a, is a relationship, just and that same trust and confidence and warmth and just that the hold that we had from our parents is the same hold that he wants to, and he does have on us. We just have to, we have to accept it. You know, we got to say yes. Got to say yes. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and all right, so speaking of yes, yes, it is time for the fun segment here. And so, Bill, I'll tell you, one of the downfalls, one of the downsides of being such a great and loyal listener who has been avoiding me for 11 seasons is that you've you've had ample time to listen to now over 100 answers to these fun segment questions. So there is no excuse for you to not have some really, really, really clever <laughs> answers here. You can't feign like, oh, that's a good question. I hadn't thought of that. It's like, no, oh, come on, dude. Yes, yeah. So let's uh, let's dive in here. Fun segment question number one. If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out with you for the day, what are you doing with Jesus? This is an easy one, Jeff. Uh, I would... I would take him to absolutely everybody I know and, and people that I didn't know. And um, because I mean, really, isn't that what we're supposed to do in life? We're, we're supposed to bring Jesus to others, introduce him to others. Um, But especially I'd love to see him with like my grandkids or maybe take him to a a grade school at a a Catholic school. Uh, I would love to see Jesus with little ones. I think that would be just super edifying. So that's what I would do. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I think that would be, uh, hopefully I would be on your uh, drive-by list. You can just kind of zip by my house and go, Hey, uh, Jeff, we got Jesus right here. So we'd love to be on that, uh, on the, on the stops. Oh, All right. Fun segment question number fun segment question number two, if you could go to church with any other man, uh, living or dead famous or not, who are you going to go to church with? Now this one, it, this one, I always kind of chuckled over cause I thought, Hey, listen, I'm at mass. I'm, I'm not going to pay any attention at all to the person that's sitting next to me. I'm paying, I'm paying attention to Jesus, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's who I'm, that's who I'm there for. So that being said, uh, I, I could make this, uh, an easy one and say, Oh, St. John Paul II or something like that. But I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, first off, He's sitting next to me at mass, but I get to have coffee with him afterward. How's that? Is that is that a fair that. enough yep. deal? Yep. Okay. Good it call. would be it would be Peter Morin, the uh, the co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement. I think mm. he has he has such a uh, again a, a s- simple yet profound way of presenting the faith and the the church's social uh, justice teaching. I would think he would be awesome to sit down and talk with. That's great. I love look, that. Look him up. Def- look him up, Jeff. You'd, you'd I was like going to say, I'm going, I'm going to, yeah, that he is not, his name has not come up yet. And so now that's a good one for us to reference here. All right. Last question. Uh, if you could give one piece of advice to a younger man about, about living a, a confident, holy life, uh, and maybe without having to go through the suffering, okay, um, what would be that one piece of advice you'd give a younger man? Okay, for fear of this being a really long run-on sentence, uh, <laughs> that's all right. I would, we got a lot of tape. We got a lot of tape here. You can go ahead. <laughs> I would, I would say, uh, uh, pray. I mean. You have to pray in order to discern God's voice. You can't do anything unless, when it comes to making decisions, unless you um, you know what God sounds like. So then in every important decision, you ask him what he wants you to do. And then to the best of your ability, don't pay any attention to what anyone else says. You just do the right thing. You do what God's asking yeah. you to do. And you will be you'll be happy. There's no question about it. I love that. I think it fits with a lot of the themes that we've talked about today. Just simplicity and just uh, and the relationship. I think it's great. Well, Bill Rashavi, thank you so much. It was great uh, having you here and great to, to finally get you on season 11. We'll come back to you around season 22. You're kind of on our 11-year cycle now. so we'll, uh, <laughs> well, good luck with those next 11 years, Jeff. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.